I'm here with Keisha Vinanda. We're at the Chaitanya Saraswat Mata in Utah. And Keisha Vinanda is originally from Britain. And I think, you know, from what I've heard, he's a pretty highly esteemed figure in the Ishkan Krishna consciousness movement. Um, he was uh, <clears throat> a friend or acquaintance of uh, Srila Prabhupada, and I and I don't know the no 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 okay <laughs> <laughs> no, and I'm not from Iskon either. This is Shuja Kanisasa. Okay, Rama. so it's different. Different, yeah. yes. Okay, okay. But anyway, they're a family. <laughs> so what was what was the story that I heard that you were with uh, Srila Prabhupada or maybe some other um, revered figures uh, maybe, in in India or something? maybe. Well, I was spent some time with Srila Govindamar. Okay, so Srila Prabhupada <clears throat> came to the West in 1965, yeah. bringing this Krishna conception, coming through a, a line of uh, uh, teachers from Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu about 500 years ago, and Rupa Goswami and Sanatan Goswami, two of his principal followers of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Mm -hmm. That line is coming through them, so it's called the Rupa Nuga Dada, the current of Sri Rupa. Okay. Okay, coming from Mahaprabhu through his uh, disciples. And that came to the West in 1965 with Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Everyone has very long names. Yeah. Okay, so Srila Prabhupada Swami Maharaj came in 1965 on the orders of his guru. Mm that, hey, um, you know, you speak very good English. Why don't you take this conception to the English-speaking world? Okay. You know, it already, in the sort of generation or two before then, well, actually not much longer before then, the, um, the holders of that current, the great teachers of that line, had foreseen the modern world come in and could and could see that this this conceptual heart substance is too sweet just to be available from one sadhu in a cave that you have to walk you know the modern world is coming people need to be able to uh, hear this people need to be able to access this so already they'd start to develop printing presses to print books um, uh, they even had daily newspapers and sending people out into the modern world to to present and represent this uh, uh, vision of reality conception of reality so it came to the west first although at least first with any kind of um success other others had been to Europe in the 1930s and had made a few decisions some people were receptive but they were waiting for AC Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada to come in the 60s because he couldn't have picked a better time he came in 1965 and was in New York City and then um, you know difficult at first he had no money practically had like ten dollars he had a bag of you know he had one of these indian trunks that he came on the boat mm. it had heart attacks on the boat 
So his health was poor. He was already 70 years old. He was coming on the order of his teacher, of his Guru Maharaj. You go preach to the West, <coughs> give this substance to the Western world. Mm. And he'd arrived practically penniless. He had some grains in a bag because he didn't know if the only things to eat would be meat in America. And um, and the books that he was translating, the Srimad Bhagavatam, this is known as the ripened fruit of the tree of Vedic knowledge, this beautiful, conclusive work of the Vedas. Um, that he was translating into English. Anyway, so he was in New York, and at first, you know, he, no, nobody came, and he was staying in a very, in the Bowery, in a very, you know, nasty part of town. You know, he got robbed, his typewriter was stolen, and what little possessions he had. No one was coming. It was very difficult for him, an old Indian man in the New York winter, <laughs> New York City. He was even going at one time. He was going down to the docks and looking on the, looking on the sheets to see if there was a, a boat going back to India, and then just you know when he's like almost thinking, this is impossible. What can I do here in New York City? One little old man from India. Little old man outwardly, but actually a great sadhu, a great spiritual saintly personality. And eventually, one or two, and then three and four younger people for the most part, mostly from the counterculture, um, started to come to him. He started to get some students some followers who they later became his disciples took initiation from him and they brought many people in their wake including the big names of the counterculture at that time poets like um, Allen Ginsberg would come yeah. and help them to establish a little temple on 22nd Avenue yeah. uh, and then in 1967 he came for the first time to San Francisco which if we study kind of popular history 1967 was known as the summer of love mm. he arrived in San Francisco <coughs> yeah. and some bands did a benefit concert for him to make a temple in San Francisco and those bands were the Grateful Dead Janis Joplin Moby Grape they were the Jefferson Airplane these were the bands who played the benefit gig that he came to and spoke at wow. <laughs> so if you wanted to you know the Vietnam War was raging the a whole kind of uh, spiritual searching had been lit in the population of the Western world and specifically in America. So the timing was just perfect, really. Mm -hmm. And then in the you know he, so he came to America in nineteen sixty five. And he left his body, he died, left, his, left this earth in 1977. So only 12 years. And for the first year, nothing really happened. He was alone in New York. So we can say for 11 years, he, he was uh, um, engaged in his mission in the West. And from those very humble beginnings, he subsequently went around the world, I, I don't know how many times, many times. He established 
108 temples and farm communities and this, that, and the other, and gave so many literatures that he translated and gave the Western world in English, the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, the Srimad Bhagavatam, Isha Upanishad, many books. And, um, and uh, brought this beautiful conception of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to the Western world. He was a disciple, Srila Prabhupada, Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj, was a disciple of a great spiritual giant called Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati. Okay. Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur had many uh, disciples, uh, and many of those disciples were what's known as sannyasis. Like uh, renounced monks, of which Srila Prabhupada was one, mm. who came to the West. <coughs> but Srila Prabhupada didn't never spend very much time with his spiritual master Saraswati Thakur, and mostly um, he learned from his senior god brother. Mm. That means someone who has the same guru as yourself is your god brother. Whose name was Srila Bhakti Rakak Shridha Deva Swami Maharaj. Shridha Maharaj for short. Okay. And they were very uh, close brothers, God brothers, disciples of Saraswati Thakur. And, um, and uh, Srila Prabhupada considered Srila Shridha Maharaj like his guru. He was senior to him, older than him, and had spent much time with his guru and got mo much uh, uh, nourishment from him. So then later, and when they came, when he came back to when Srila Prabhupada came back to India, he stayed with Srila Siddhamaj in his temple. He brought his young Western disciples to that temple to hear from Srila Siddhamaj and to learn. So then if we fast forward to 1977 when Srila Prabhupada is leaving this world and he'd said this a long time before as well his instruction to his disciples was that when you have questions you should go to Srila Siddhamaraj mm -hmm. he, so he is so elevated I consider him my guru okay. what to speak of what he can do for you Yeah. I think of him as my guru actually he's my god brother were disciples of the same guru. Yeah. But Srila Siddhamaj had had a was was um Yes. I'm looking the, at a picture yes, of uh yes. Srila Prabhupada and Srita Siddhar Maharaj together yes. behind us. Yeah. Yes, that's the opening day of the big temple, the Iskon <coughs> temple in Mayapur. And mm. you can't only just see his face at the microphone is Srila Govindamaraj. Mm. Who went with who's the successor to Srila Siddhamaraj. Anyway, so so, um, so, so that was Srila Prabhupada's instruction. You go to Srila Siddhamaj, and many of those disciples did come to Srila. Some didn't, some did. And then the, the successor of Srila Siddhamaj is my guru, Srila Govindamaj. So we are the Sri Chaitanya Shashwat Mat. But we're all coming through the, through the grace of Srila Prabhupada, who came to the West on the order of his guru. 
bring in this concept this conception this sweet uh, conception of reality the beautiful and uh, to the Western world so and I spent some time in India with Srila Govinda Maharaj and more recently more time just looking after one of our temples there yeah how would you explain or, or describe or, or just just represent the, the distinctions between the ISKCON and uh, Sridhar Maharaj's conceptions mm -hmm. um, and and why 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 are they differentiated or um, because I know that they're both teaching Krishna about Krishna but I guess there's also distinctions yes <clears throat> and, and we're all followers you know when they uh, we're all followers of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, so we're in the line of Rupa Goswami mm -hmm. and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Um, and this uh, this living current lives in the heart of the practitioners and followers of that. It's 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 divine uh, grace, kripa in Sanskrit, mercy. It's not, you know, Srila Srila Maharaj would like to quote Hegel sometimes, that reality is by itself and for itself. Mm -hmm. The infinite cannot be captured by any amount mm. of neurons firing in your tiny brain. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, it's all rights reserved. Yeah, it's supremely beautiful. This yeah. is why Shula, even Srila Prabhupada considered Srila Siddhamaj to be his guru. Yeah. And that any, and, and sometimes, one time, Srila Siddhamaj was uh, at a lecture somewhere in South India and somebody said to him, well, if you're saying that some understanding is there, you're saying that the finite, that means you, can comprehend the infinite, then how can it be infinite? If you're finite and mm -hmm. you're... Uh, comprehend the infinite how can it be infinite and Guru Maharaj's uh, reply was very immediate and deep he says no if the infinite cannot reveal itself to the finite then it's not infinite we're not dealing with a dead thing reality can mm. assert itself reality can assert itself and all theistic schools, you know, have understanding of this, that we are beggars at that gate of mercy, actually. There's no, of that reality which we hear from the saints is beautiful mm -hmm. and dancing mm -hmm. and full of sweetness. It's dynamic, right? And dynamic and full of personality and color and charm with lotus mm. eyes, with eyes blooming like lotus petals, with a garland of forest flowers swinging, with a soft breeze from the transcendental river Jamuna carrying the aroma of Kadamba flowers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this divine plane of dance and dedicating substance is all rights reserved by itself for itself. 
And Guru Maharaj describes the jiva, us, the conscious unit. Jiva tattva, the living entities, whether they're in the body of a tree or a cow or a goat or a human, the living entities. This level of consciousness is the dust of consciousness. He said jiva is the dust of consciousness. We've got no right to enter there. It's above our um, uh, everything cannot be bribed, cannot be studied into, cannot be yogured into, cannot be, cannot be by some ascending process of stuff that I do, be caught, catch that infinite wave and bring it to me for my uh, satisfaction, but can only come from that side and sometimes they give the, the, the analogy of a passport and a visa. To get a passport, I can go to San Francisco, go to the passport office, give them my details and get my passport. I have got a passport, great. That does not mean I can go into India. Just having a US passport will not get me into India. To get into India, I have to go to the Indian government. I have to go to the Indian embassy and say, please give me a visa to come to India. So the, 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 the visa to come to India does not come from this side. It comes from that side. So something like that. All That plane is all rights reserved. And although it's very merciful and sweet, and the invitation is there, for us to enter into that reality, the doodle, into that divine wave, we have to be converted into serving units and out away from our exploiting mentality mm -hmm. at the moment we are residents of the land of exploitation we this is our this is our how we are we see beauty and we want to exploit it we want to possess it we want to enjoy it and Gudumar says this is upside down actually beauty is the controller Beauty is the exploiter. Beauty is the controlling principle. And our dharma, what we're made for, is to serve that beautiful wave, to offer ourselves to that divine wave, and to be uh, you know, self-forgetful in the extreme in our offering of ourselves and our energy to that divine wave, divine purpose. So that's a long way where we are from at present in our in our capacity as exploiters extraordinaire top class we just want to be and our and our our heroes are those who can exploit the most and the best thing oh yeah they're great so that so we're in the position of you know we're begging we're trying to get our passport from this side that means we're trying to follow the instructions of the sadhus who are saying, well, you should live your life like this and not like that. Try to do this and not that. You know, chant the Maha Mantra, Hare Krishna Maha. No, we're trying to doing so many things. And we, are, we understand that that's like getting our passport. You know, that's something we can do uh, to stand with folded palms, facing in the, that divine direction. Uh... uh and praying for some connection through those saints with reality, <clears throat> not my twisted 
twisted idea of what reality is through my imperfect senses that only pick up a fraction of what's going on can't see all the ba light bandwidth just see a small width of sound of light hear a small bandwidth of sound I can't even hear what a dog can hear mm. so this is my data collection stuff that's going on it's not a whole of reality it's just a tiny fraction of it then my twisted brain gets hold of that corrupt data the the brain has been the the mind has been um, a condition since time immemorial. It's full of acquired prejudice to see in this way or see in that way. So then my brain gets hold of my mind gets hold of corrupt data. Thinks, hmm, how can I can't get ahead in this? How am I going to exploit this to get what I want? Yeah, and that we call that reality. That isn't even a shadow of reality. And then you don't get what you want. Because <laughs> you're trying to make it happen like that. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And then, so what is the unco what, so what? So this is the conditioned soul. You know, we've got the Jiwatma, the conditioned soul, mm. who thinks it's this and thinks it's that, and thinks it's this body, thinks it's a man, thinks it's a woman, thinks it's Chinese, <laughs> thinks it's so many things. Mm. Uh, but that doesn't mean that reality doesn't exist. <laughs> reality does exist. And we and it lives in the hearts of saints, who are cent percent given to that divine flow, surrendered to the the steps of that dance wherever it takes them, and then comes like a a wave of nectarian sweetness out from their lotus lips in the form of instruction and encouragement. Come this way. Come this way. Come this way. So. So that is our process, if you like, really. It's that we, we know we don't have any qualification. We're not big yogis or meditators or scholars or any of these things, which can all just be traps anyway. We're beggars for the grace of the sadhus. Where, you know, my Guru Srila Govinda Maharaj would say, this spiritual life is a heart transaction. That's what it is, a heart-to-heart -heart thing. It's not about learning tons of things. It's not by bending your head in various ways through philosophy or this, that and the other. It's a heart transaction between the Lord and his devotee, by the, between the teacher and the disciple, between the disciples. It's a living uh, heart transaction, heart substance. This is that. This is what we're dealing with. So, so that is our endeavor in the temple, in our in our devotional family. That we encourage each other and come together to hear, and chant, and remember, and to give encouragement to each other to keep keep going with that divine aspiration. In mind, Shri Shri Maharaj would say that a person's judged by what their their aspiration. However, just because it's we can't attain it right now, still we're holding it as that is my that's what I want. That's that's the highest thing that I, I can conceive. Um, I, thought it was, I thought it was interesting today. You were t discussing how in the Vedas they did sacrifices mm -hmm. of animals, mm -hmm. but at that time, I guess the 
the structure of existence, maybe just maybe maybe the physics to how things worked. These it was a more mystical time, more magical time where the animals they weren't actually mm. being killed. Yeah, I mean the 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 Russians tried to build a vimana flying fly they had the vimana shastra and tried to put one of these spaceships together but they didn't have the sounds to power it they didn't have the mantras and we read the weapons that were used in kurukshetra and we still can find if you dig down in kurukshetra sand turned to glass like might happen in a nuclear explosion but they weren't splitting atoms they were using sounds they were using mantras to do these things. Mm. And when we go through India, we were talking about the Sri Rangam temple today, or we go to here, there, and the other. You just look at the architecture for, that was being built then. And then we have the gall to say, oh, these people were backward. And these are, this, is, this is, you know, and today, because we've got plastic bottles and mountains of crap everywhere, were the sophisticated ones? Were the intelligent ones? So... Absolutely, the, 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 there were a lot less people and they had a much uh, deeper understanding of subtle laws of nature. I mean, material mm. laws, we're not, even, we're not talking anything spiritual, we're talking about material things. Just of reality and general existence of yes. God. Um, uh, and we're able to, 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 to use things in a different way. Now everything's very gross. You have to, you know, to make power, you have to set fire to something and, you know, chuck energy at the back to go forward. And this wasn't always like that. There's, so there were different things were prescribed as, as religious practices and as uh, uh, practices for the, um, to go in the direction of divine service were given. But most of them aren't, aren't uh, valid for this current age that, you know, the Vedas give us, show different seasons of the universal cycle. And the current season that we're in is the winter time, is the Kali Yuga. It's known for quarrel, hypocrisy, degradation, pollution inside, pollution outside, always disturbed, short lives. All these are qualities of Kali Yuga. And we see them clearly all around us. I remember hearing a joke, and uh, I guess it's a Jewish joke, where they describe that there was a rabbi and the son was saying, uh, why is it that, um, or his son was treating him with a lot of respect. And he says, why is the son treating you with so much respect? And the rabbi says, because the son sees me as closer to Moses as opposed to closer to the monkeys. <laughs> Coming from the evolution of the monkeys, but this is but he sees me as more close to Moses. And and it's interesting that in the in like in the Jewish conception too, they would say that in when they would do the sacrifices back in the day there was so much there was actually magical things occurring. Right. And and the whole like mystical synchronicities were going on all the time, mm. just like there because I I don't know is it because back then their consciousness was elevated and and no. they had more of a connection mm. with with like mm. the essential nature of reality and then reality itself was 
you know was was connected with that and and there was a coherence between the because you know i i sridhar maharaj describes how consciousness is elemental in existence and if your consciousness is so refined maybe they 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 were so much closer to these mystical truths mm -hmm. reality kind of conforms with them in in a supernatural way well not necessarily <clears throat> okay you, you know, we're talking about two completely separate things. Yeah. We're talking about the, the, the movements, machinations, and substance of the material nature. Yeah. Right? Of which the soul is just an observer. And it's come about through our desire to exploit. So I can be a very subtle exploiter. You know, I can get all my freaking i can you know dive deep into like western should i can get into alistair crowley you know i can get into this and try and figure out how i can how i can work subtle energies for my purpose yeah. that's nothing spiritual you're still a freaking exploiting dickhead but you're using subtle energies to do it yeah. and the and the actual substantial way to say that is another big hole for you to fall into mystic cities I can do this. I know. Oh, I'm very. I can read the mm. fine lines. Yeah, but you're still a jerk. Mm. Oh, so it's not spiritual at all. It's just being clever, and how to use things that other people can't use. I would imagine a lot of these people with kind of the primitive level of consciousness are not going to be able to a attain that level of of. Well, you'd be surprised. They, yeah, some of them can. I mean, absolutely. I mean, some of the things the the tantrics in India. Can do and other places they can you know they're not um you know they, they i mean you have to pay for it you have to burn for it nothing comes without like sacrifice think of shukacharya too yeah you have to yeah. you know you have to you know if you want to go and live in the cremation ground for a few years and live out of what you beg in your skull uh, thing and then you know do, do the appropriate <laughs> rituals and mantras you can, you know, you can pick up some ghoulies to, to, to work for you. But, uh, you know, Krishna says, Bhaktaram Yagyatapa Sam Sava Lokama Hishwaram Suridam Sava Bhutanam Gyatvamam Shantim Richachati. He says all that stuff. Where's it all coming from? What's the source of all that? Who's the ultimate benefactor of all sacrifices and austerities, austerities, all planets and demigods? It has some source. What's the nature of that source? Come to come in that way. Come to the the way to say you have to water the tree. How do how do we have to serve the center? We have to become reintegrated members of the organic whole, and all that means giving up your uh, egotistical, self-serving, acquired prejudice. It has to, another, you know, should should much say die with another one from Hegel die to live you want to enter into the sweet wave of ecstatic substance which is the source of everything you can't go there full of the crap that we're full of we can't do it with our exploiting mentality that's the barrier everything every atom there is giving 100% of itself to the organic center huh 
There's no cancerous, I'm going to keep, the, you know, the Vedas say like the hand takes the food, gives it to the mouth, the mouth chews the food, the mouth gives it to the stomach, the whole body is nourished. That's the nature of the organic whole. Not that the hand takes the food and thinks, well, screw you, I'm keeping this, I'm not giving it to the stomach. This is us, this is our mentality, full of uh, envy and suspiciousness. I'm holding on to what I've got. I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. I, I've got my conception of reality. My bre- and, I, and I think it's this. I'm not going to let that go. I'm not going to step into step off that precipice into the insur- uncertainty of that, that absolute flow. I'm going to bring my little take on it to the table. And the sadhus say, no, you can't. You've got to just, that's got to go. It's got to go completely. Following the steps, you know, we follow in the footsteps of the, what's one of the, you know, one of our, you know, prayerful desires is we're trying to follow the steps of those sadhus, follow the saints who lead us to that beautiful land where where real freedom exists. We think we're trying to hang on to our freedom and they're saying, you're not, you're hanging on to your chains. Oh, well, I think this and I can't do that and that might be possible, but no, 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 no. It's all illusory. It's all just a product of conditioned mind. And actually reality is sweet, mm-hmm. full of ecstasy. And Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, just give it up and follow. I'll protect you from every fear. You don't have to worry about anything. Just, it's not, it's just a construct you've come up with. Not only that, it's given you this body in this world. We, we hear from Srila Goswami, the body is the biological expression of the soul's delusion. Because you're deluded in a particular way, that's why you've got this body. Yeah. And that's why you're in this plane, trying to take what we can. I'm thinking that this is reality because my teeny little tiny senses have got this much information. Then they twisted it with my own messed upness. And from that, I'm making a statement and making a plan. Well, I think that I'm done because my brain, you know, my eye talks caught that, my ear heard that, and then I've calculated, and this is my. And it would just dissolve. In the face, you know, Guru Maharaj saying, your furthest imaginings, the limit of what you can imagine doesn't, doesn't account for a particle of a fraction of a teeniest part of the infinite mm. reality. He yeah. says, your, your calculation is cancelled by the infinite. Yeah, but I, just, I, I thought this and then I came to that conclusion and I'm thinking this. He says, that's cancelled. It's cancelled. That's just cancelled by the infinite and we're like oh, how can we go there and things we can't not by brain power not by calculation it comes mercifully it comes in the comes as heart substance it comes from the affectionate sweet loving hearts of the devotees it comes through the heart of the Vaishnava It comes through the heart of someone who's surrendered or surrendering to that wave. And it comes affectionately and lovingly and it can change us 
and it can nourish us and it's a very wonderful mystical beautiful thing so in the in 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 our in the krishna conscious conception it's kind of a devolution it's not kind of a progression i i know that a lot of people will will imagine that we are we moved from hunter gatherers then we went to the agricultural revolution and now we're progressing toward technological revolutions, industrial revolutions, and, and this is a progression and a movement forward to higher consciousness, perhaps in science and, and all this. But in the in the Krishna conscious conception, is it more so that I, I know that it's kinda of like a devolution that we're moving from the the golden age of of uh the like golden age of silver age, kinda of like to a bronze age uh. to and, and to Kali Yuga. But also, I know that originally there's like there's Daksha, or, or originally there's Brahma, and then he has like the son Daksha. And th- does Daksha have extraordinary level of consciousness? And then the sons of DT and Aditi are the demigods. And then are we? And then do the demigods are we kind of progenitors of the demigods? And I'm just trying to get a cons- just an idea of, of how all this. Is, is evolving how all this is working and is this kind of a devolution because I think that even people in India today they'll say okay I'm a I'm actually related to Surya I'm related to the Surya the the demigod the sun god or I'm related to Sh- Chandra and I and I even heard that Rama is kind of in the in the in the clan of the sun god or maybe even a, a descendant and Krishna maybe the Chandra the the moon god and was there kind of more higher consciousness with with the demigods and then it moves to us and then as we go along the consciousness where we're losing more and more or also is there maybe are we at times moving toward a progression like right now when we have krishna consciousness is there also a movement forward and kind of a hopeful aspect not pessimistic like more optimistic we're we're, we're, we're retaining these this divine knowledge and can can you maybe just explain maybe just the historical background of all of this and also i want to we were talking today about ramanujan and there's just so like there's so much that that we have, we can go over, but like Ramanujan and uh, Shankaracharya, or I think that that was his name. Oh, Ramanuja. Ramanuja. Right. Oh yeah, Ramanuja. That was it. Uh-huh. And and just all of these characters and and how the philosophy evolved. And is that a is that a movement forward? Is that a movement where we're we're gaining more as opposed to uh, to to kind of like a a degrading of consciousness. Mm. Well, that's a lot of stuff there. <laughs> anyway, there's one word called sangsare. That's the word. Sangsare. Cyclical. Everything is yeah. cyclical. Sangsara. And every morning we sing sangsara. Dhavana, lalida, loka. Sanaya, karuna, gananganapa. We've been caught up in sangsara. Somehow or other. Coming again and again and again, and the, the 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 earth has its seasons, and they follow one after the other: the summer, the winter, spring, the summer, the autumn. So similarly, the ages follow. Dwarpa Yuga, uh, uh, Satya Yuga, Dwarpa Yuga, Treta Yuga, Kali Yuga, and and even the even the creations itself. You know, the the universe has come out. And they exist, and ultimately they 
they're drawn back into the body of Mahavishnu, you can say. They exist again in an unmanifest state. The suns explode, the stars die, and then again more come in. This is the, the wheel of samsara going on since time immemorial. And we, as the specks of consciousness, find ourselves in the midst of this. And we find ourselves in the midst of this in a diseased condition. When we look and think, oh, how can I exploit this for myself? And the sadhus come and say, this is what is keeping you in this plane of temporary, flickering, impermanent phantasmagoria. It's your uh, uh, determination to see yourself as the center and everything and everyone else as your uh, food for your exploitation leading us to the the um, the heart of the saints which see themselves as the servitors of the source of all realities and then when we find when when that through the grace of the sadhu that entering into that you know pursuing that krishna consciousness that divine dedicating substance everything changes and that the source of all those universes and suns and quasars and the source of everything has its own existence mm. and its nature is beautiful full of color and form and movement and dance full of ecstasy and full of the divine relationships and exchanges of love in many different flavors, all the way up to divine consorthood. Uh, but that, that uh, prime cause is, is beaten with a heart of dedication and, sac and, uh, and love that means the giving of oneself. So this is not a, like a Vedic thing or any any substantial philosophical religious conception is trying to push us in that way that this this selfishness the ego whatever you want to call it is the root cause of our suffering but we go further than that others some schools will say yes and then when that ego is picked apart then nothing will remain but the Vaishnavas are a different opinion that no the, the prime cause has its existence and everything beautiful here has its origin there so you know so you know now we find ourselves in the winter time and the external state of the world we can say is not so good but you know on the other hand our our method for going forward is very easy, you know, we're given Nam Sankirtan for the Kali Yuga. That means, you know, if we're fortunate enough to come in connection with that divine current, 
Anivriti Shabdat, Anivriti Shabdat, says the Vedas. You're changed by sound. Sound will change you. Sound liberates you. So if we're lucky to catch a, a, a little of the sound that's coming from the hearts and mouths of the saints, and it touches us, and then we get some inspiration from that, oh, this is a different... This is a different sound vibration to the normal vibrations of this world. This is giving some heart juice and satisfaction. If we're, if we're fortunate enough to catch some of that sound vibration, then we're given some instructions and we're given amongst other things, and primarily this Maha Mantra on the world on the wall here, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama. Ram Ram Hari Hari, which is a heart prayer. That's um, it's the heart prayer, and it's coming from it, uh, some divine origin to to please, you know, take me in that direction. Let me be converted from an exploiter of the material to a servant of the divine. So this is a very sweet and easy process. We have programs here and the kids are singing, the, the, the adults are singing in India, the cows and the monkeys and the dogs come as well uh, with drums and cymbals and a very joyful uh, process because it's understood in the age of Kali Yuga, who can go up to the mountains and sit in meditation for a hundred years or a thousand years, all these things that were possible in previous ages. Who's got the brain power to perform all these, you know, act, uh, mental activities? Nobody. This is Kali Yuga. We can't sit still for five minutes. Our brains are, you know, not, <laughs> not so wonderful. So, so actually the process for this age of Kali is very sweet and easy. So we have everything to be thankful for if we are, if we're graced with some connection with that divine uh, current that comes through the hearts of the devotees can can we discuss maybe just the background in in hindu or just in philosophy in india that brought us to this vaishnava conception uh the the Krishna so uh, or Krishna consciousness, so maybe talking about these these ancient philosophers, moving from what we were we were discussing, how do you say it? Ramanuja, 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 and just uh, maybe just the beginnings of this. I don't know. Maybe it starts from Krishna and then, uh, but just just that disciplic line, how it moved, and and kind of the the different ways that people saw things, and maybe to Ch Lord Chaitanya. And uh, and his disciples and, and their conceptions and maybe I'd like to hear maybe just a little bit about their their interactions because we talked about Nityananda and and their kind of pastimes and maybe just to today and I think that, that that should be good if we could just get just this, the the background with with all of the with with the progression of thought. Well, you know the <clears throat> galaxies come out and galaxies disappear. You know, Lord Brahma is the first created living being who comes out of a lotus flower. Mm. <laughs> a 
and he's in darkness and he's thinking what am I supposed to do where am I and who am I and he just hears two syllables ta pa means burn do some sacrifice do some tapasya do some penance and he meditates for an inconceivably long time before he hears a sound which is the flute song of Krishna you know Brahma lives for like so many trillions 4,300 trillion years something like that mm. anyway what it boils down to is that galaxies and universes are being born and galaxies and universes exist for some time and galaxies and universes die sometimes they die one at a time in something called a pralaya when part of the creation dies goes into an unmanifest state of existence and then every every in a longer period of time is a maha pralaya where everything is sucked back into non-existence mm -hmm. for an equally long period of time <laughs> before again out come the universes out come the and our in, and the jivas the conscious units are impregnated into that material energy through shambhu the the Lord Shiva, that glint in the eye of Mahavishnu, impregnates the material nature. And again, mm. so Krishna says, Yada, Yada, Dharmasya. He says, This has been going on forever. And everything comes out. And again, this, this saving, gracious substance of the solution, how do I move through this? I am a tiny jiva soul and I find myself in the midst of sangsara. Vivrita vivida bade, branti vega dagade, balavata baba pure, branti. And this beautiful shloka Rupa Goswami, that I am find myself in the furthest region of a huge ocean. I'm drowning in frustration and I'm being swept by a tide of hallucination. That's where I find myself. What am I supposed to do? Oh my Lord, he's praying to Kalmadindu. Hakripa Kalmadindu to this beautiful lotus eyed Lord. Please grab me by the hair, help me. I don't know which way to go. So, so Krishna says, Yada Yada Yadamasya. He says, time after time after time, I come and I, according to the time, place and circumstance i i i give some uh some knowledge i give some substantial nourishment and encouragement to come this way in every species <laughs> it's not limited to human beings on every planet some truth arrives to lead to give us some spiritual sustenance okay. uh, uh, and you know where we are in space and you know in this current creation and where we are in this blink of an eye of the of the of Brahma Brahmaji and Mahavishnu we find ourselves very close to some 
been most wonderful in that Mahaprabhu himself was here 500 years ago and Krishna not so long ago and so we're finding ourselves very close to something wonderful you know it's if in in the end of the Kali Yuga which is like 430,000 years or something it's the short age but at the by the end of the Kali Yuga there won't be any spiritual activity it will be the grossest forms of exploitation there won't be any anything other than that it'll be absolutely Darwinian hmm. might is right and I will kill you and eat you and there's nowhere to turn there's no there ain't no temple there ain't no church there ain't no philosoph it's gone by the end of Kali Yuga that's why eventually Kalki comes incarnation of the Lord and just destroys everything again so we're finding ourselves now in a very fortunate position because we're in human bodies we're not in the body of a goat or a, 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 an amoeba we've got a human body and we've somehow or other we're hearing life-giving uh, substance through from the from the Vaishnavas from the sadhus from the maybe, saints maybe think of the book of Eli in the book of Eli movie with Denzel Washington it's the end of the world and everybody's people are eating each other there's cannibalism right, there's right. yes yeah, something, something like, like that, that yeah. all these things have their have some root in reality so so we have to seize the day really uh, is that you know we're embarked on the greatest journey of our lives Guru Maharaj would say because you know there are many difficult things in life maybe but to actually you know start to to make ourselves put ourselves in the position where our ego can be dismantled is you know it's, actually it's practically impossible it's it's um, it can only be done through the grace of Sri Guru and Goranga, through the grace of Mahaprabhu, through the grace of the Lord, and the grace of his his agents, the agents of reality, which are called Vaishnavas. Yeah. Then those things can change. But this it, this is the this is the real yoga. This is not just learning to stand on your head. This is the real substantial thing of how I can be different, how I can. Um, go in that line of devotion and dedication and away from exploitation and selfish egotistical exploitation mm. so that is our you know that's our that is our uh, fortunate position right now mm. you know what things will be in 500 years a thousand years five thousand years you know we have some indication but really we're here now and we by the grace of those devotees we have some opportunity to hear something wonderful and to try to offer ourselves to that process and change the trajectory of so many lifetimes of exploitation by the by the merciful glance of the Vaishnava everything can be changed so so we're in the I know there's Sampradayas mm -hmm. and we're in the Vaishnava 
type these are types of types of cyprinides. There's a there's a Shaivite and there's four of them. There's a Vaishnava. There's four of them. Yeah, well, there's many. Yes, there's many. Ma- ma- like, this means just conceptual school. Yeah. How do you see reality? So then I'm looking at this right now. It says the main deity for the different Vaishnava sampradayas are one's Sri Devi, one's Brahma, another one's Rudra, and one's the four Kumaras. What one is the is uh. So Iskan, I guess, is is a descendant of Brahma's sampradaya. We're the same. We're the same family as Iskan. My guru's guru's brother was Prabhupada. They were brothers. Mm-hmm. So we're just we're different. We're like cousins, you could say, something like that. Yes. So the lineage is through Brahma. Yeah, then the lineage is. I mean, Brahma is Brahma, no doubt. But the lineage is through the the guru. Okay. You know, otherwise we just end up. What do I know of Brahma? You know, yeah. I can read you something I read in a book. What do I know of Brahma? Yeah. You know, yeah. I can say the same thing about my Gurudev. What do I know of him, really, even though he was sat in front of me? Mm. Actually, his heart is, you know, is, is dances in that infinite, dedicating wave of love of Sri Radha and Krishna, the divine couple, sporting in the divine forest of Vrindavan. So it's, you know, it's an immediate thing. It's a heart transaction. It's a heart transaction with the devotees in our lives. It's the heart transaction with our teachers and mentors. And then maybe, you know, some some appreciation or understanding will come to us of who is Brahmaji, who is... Otherwise, it's just words. I guess people say that Brahma is the creator god, but we don't have any... Yes, capacity to really to really understand understand what that means exactly. We can get lost in all this stuff, and it's very easy uh, to like pontificate on these things, which we know it's like an ant trying to, you know, glorify an elephant. It has no conception of that. Maybe it saw the shadow and thought something. So, whereas the Vaishnava is something close to us. And, we're, and in the heart of the Vaishnava, all those things are alive and real because they're all existing in that, in that world, that conscious world. From, from what I understand, the Bible is seen by uh, Srila Prabhupada and I would guess Sridhar Maharaj as an authentic uh, mm-hmm. divine text. Mm-hmm. In the Bible, it talks about this the seven days of creation, Genesis, and it talks about Adam and Eve, and, and it's actually disputable or or it's questionable if they're the first people, the first humans. It doesn't explicitly say that. Uh, there's there's some sects who say that perhaps they weren't. But what is the what does Krishna consciousness movement say about? The seven days of creation and and this is it is that a myth is that more of a myth was it maybe metaphorical or is what did that happen as well and maybe Adam and Eve were were just a, a diff maybe not the first humans but just humans that were made by God or how do you how do we understand the that Genesis story? Well, I'm not. I mean, you have to ask a Christian, really. I mean, yeah. I'm not. I can't speak on the Bible. Guru Maharaj says all the different philosophical and religious conceptions are like planets orbiting the central cause, the, the sun. So mm. 
There's many planets orbiting the sun and there's many philosophical religious conceptions orbiting the truth. And they all have some relationship to it because they're looking at the sun, they're trying to understand the sun. Maybe there's some revelation came to them about the nature of that sun. Uh, and, you know, we also have days. We have a day of Brahma, mm -hmm. which just happens to be 4 billion, 300 you know, four trillion, three hundred billion years, and his night is the same length. So when you put days in God time spans, you know, yeah. what does a day of God look like? You know, well, maybe it looks like that, which is a long time in human calculation. But I mean, that that language is sort of irrelevant, really. Uh, a dedi dedication, service, um, that I, you know, I, I, I will die for my Lord. You know, uh, is Guru, my Gurudev said, Christianity is very much towards Vaishnavism. It's going in that direction. Yeah. It's some of them, you know, and the, you know, how it all came about. Those kind of that language to try to describe these things may be a little different, but certainly the conclusion. Uh, uh, of Christianity, that it's by grace that yeah. we can go in that direction, by the association of the saints, by dying to live, essentially, by becoming different from what you were, yeah. and leaving the plane of like sinful exploitation behind you, and trying to offer yourself to the pure and clean and beautiful plane of dedication is, is you know, very similar going in that way. So we, you know, we we take a lot of um, we share a lot of those things with the Christians for sure, much more than we do in many ways with other Indian uh, philosophies, which are yeah. just about either becoming a better exploiter by manipulating subtle energies, yeah. or are about well, your God, you don't have to bow down to anybody, you just have to realize it. And I think it's fascinating too that I know that some people will integrate the the scientific conceptions in the uh, Bible, so they'll say, okay, yeah, the day is represents maybe four thousand years or something. Uh, and right. but it's interesting how now if you, if you look at scientists like Stephen Hawking and other physicists, and they're saying, yeah, the multiverse concept, you know, the multiverse idea that fits with our uh, new research, and and it's not there. There isn't so much of a conflict between the scientific and religious worldviews and outlooks um do do you think that that's true that that science is catching up to the the viewpoint of krishna consciousness well it just depends on individuals really i mean mostly you know you know real <laughs> you know should probably say that human life is for simple living and high thinking whereas what we've got in our new scientific improved age is complex living and dumbass thinking that's yeah. where it's brought us in our, in, our, in our attempt to make life easier and more convenient we've look what we've created instead of having an acre of land and a cow and going on happily with our <laughs> spiritual cultivation so you know so much of that scientific exploitation is just demoniac, absolutely. I mean, now look what's happening in the world. But you're right, for the thoughtful, for the more thoughtful uh, 
scientists who come to the conclusion that consciousness is what's producing everything mm-hmm. and uh, and are willing to go down that road which most of them aren't yeah then um, then yeah they, they, it's come full circle back to a spiritual quest but I think for most I don't know whether that's true for most you know many are just trying to get the new you know the new whatever they're doing and can can we maybe just discuss the, a little bit of the the different philosophies that that led to um the krishna consciousness so going from brahma and and i don't know if if we if we understand the other sampradayas but then who no, may, this is, uh, yeah it's like, it's eternally existing yeah it's eternally existing it comes out according to time place and circumstance krishna says in bhagavad gita Time, it, things get polluted and messed up then they have to come again and they come again and then the universe comes again and again has to be presented and he says I give it to Ishvaku I give it to the Sangha you know there's some inconceivable transmission route but it ends up that if we're fortunate Brahmite Brahmanda Brahmite Kona Bhagyavana Jeev Guru Krishna Prashade Pai Bhakti Lata Beach after channel surfing after scrolling through infinite universes of illusion eventually if we're fortunate we start we hear something that's coming from the plane of reality through the heart of the Vaishnava can we go over just a little bit of uh, Lord Chaitanya and his disciples and some of their stories and also not now these are all massive massive <laughs> you're gonna have to start you're gonna have to start uh, uh, you know you, you know uh, what's the word a series or something right? yeah because you can have a whole to do any justice at all you'd have to have a whole thing just of Rupa Goswami who is Rupa Goswami why is he Rupa Goswami why are the why are we the Rupanuga Sampradaya um, and Mahaprabhu but this sweet substance is coming through the hearts of its own agents that's how reality likes to distribute itself reality can assert itself okay how does it assert itself it exerts itself through the hearts of its own agents the agents of reality that is called saints okay and they can be in all different places and all different traditions and so many things but they're carrying some of that current of reality and present it according to the time place and circumstance of who who it is who's hearing it and if we're fortunate to catch that anything of that we read a book we hear a class we visit a temple whatever it is and we catch something of that that's that touches us then all the Vedas say then you have to pursue that it's not going to happen by accident you don't go to the gym by accident you go to the gym because you know it's good for you and you make a plan and you go there every day so it's the same with spiritual life if you catch something of that 
You have to give time for it. You have to pursue it. Don't just sit back and think, oh, that's great. I'm just going to add that another key to my big bunch of keys. Oh, now I can add that to my brain. That's not what it's about at all. You're going to have, you, we have to, you know, humbly turn in that direction and take, you know, let that substance, let that sound, let that association work on us. Um, because that's so after Brahmande Brahmi Prakona Bhagyavanaji after after an infinite scroll for how since time immemorial mm. of just going round and round on this samsara how can I exploit mm. exploiting getting a reaction exploiting some more getting a reaction exploiting then suddenly we've got this opportunity to step off that wheel and out of that land of exploitation and you know face and enter a new a new reality reality the beautiful Hare Krishna sounds good Prabhu um, I was going to ask so really quick though are there aliens like is uh, I was thinking of like Hanuman people say that he wasn't necessarily a monkey but that he was kind of they had, there's a different word what do they call it? like a vanara or something yes something yeah monkey like race mm. yeah they're, they're ready to say there's life on every planet yeah there's a life on every there's life in the sun but it's mm. made the, the living entities there are made of fire so you ain't gonna see them yeah we think that if we can measure it with our brains as carbon light form then it's life and that anything that's outside of that how are we gonna know it can you imagine another color? Can you imagine another color? No, you can't. You can't. No, you can't because your brain and your light capacity won't let you imagine another color. Yeah. Does that mean other colors don't exist? No. <laughs> to us, they can't. But that you know, so we're like that. We're we're living in a land of. If you like, if you're living in the land of a plane, you can't imagine a solid. You know. If you live in the land of plains where everything is flat, if you live in flat land, yeah. you can't imagine it. It's beyond your capacity. You've only got so many little things firing, tiny, tiny, tiny. How can it? And this this word, adokshaja. Mm -hmm. Yeah, achincha. Achincha means inconceivable by you. Adokshaja means unknowable by you. You cannot, by any amount of firing of the neurons in your brain, understand what this is. Like another colour. You just can't do it. We're still trying to but you just can't do it. It's another substance. It's a separate reality. It's transcendental. It is not of this world. It's not made of earth and fire and water and ether. It's made of consciousness. But it's not even the sort of consciousness that you've got. Your consciousness is the dust of that plane. It's a higher and higher consciousness. So, I mean, really, we're like, you know, in all these, even in the material world, the, the great thinkers, you know, your Einsteins and your Newtons say, you know, I am just a tiny thing standing on the shore collecting pebbles. And we have no 
and we have no rights there, no claim there. But we hear from the sadhus and the residents of that land that actually its nature is the unconditioned absolute is full of mercy and ecstasy and sweetness. But to, to step into that flow, we have to be changed. We can't step into it with it. Oh yeah, I'll step into it. And then I'll grab it all and I'll eat it all. And you can't do it like that. How are you going to go there like that? Can only go there like this. This is the mudra to how to position ourselves towards reality is with folded palms. It can only be like that. How can, how can we approach divinity in any other posture than like that? And that is our campaign. That is the campaign of the sadhus, the Vaishnavas who come. They come to like beat us into shape, you know, to give us the, the, the help we need and the encouragement and the instruction and uh, everything that we can at least start to desire that at least we can begin to think yes I believe this I believe that I'm a freaking filthy exploiter and I need to do something about it but I've got no capacity to do anything about it I've got to be reliant on help from that upper quarter it has to change me but I want that I want to at least face that and say yes 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 please to burn it out the answer, the answers you give are so thorough and like condensed that they yeah. answer all the other questions I'm thinking about. Joy so I want to, I want to ask so many other things, but yeah, it's just that yeah, that was very comprehensive, and and I get it. I think I just have like a, a much deeper understanding right now, just after that conversation. Well, we're just we're just going on every day, G. You know, every day we're going on. Yeah, that is our, you know, that's the that's the challenge and the joy of our lives, really. You yeah. know. And this life goes very quickly. We don't know. We don't know how long we've got. Guru says, this is the great adventure. Mm. This is the greatest. This is the greatest adventure of our lives to try and... Uh, to try and reposition ourselves. To at least have that as our ideal. Looking up at these beautiful temples on the wall. Looking up at our beautiful well wishes. So... You know, when we've got a touch of that, we have to try and hang on as tightly as we can. And there's well, actually one more thing I think that I, that I need to ask is, is has Sridhar Maharaj, did he study Plato? And what did he think of Plato's world of forms? Did he ever talk about that? Um, he probably did, but I, 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 Gumaj was a philosopher. Yeah. By, that was his subject in, in college. Yeah. Um, uh, so he did, he did mention you know, he had ones that he used a lot, like Hegel. Yeah. Um, and ones that he used. That actually, Nyasi Maharaj would be a good person to ask about this, because mm -hmm. he's also um, he's got a masters in theology from Harvard, so he also studied all these uh, different philosophers. Nothing's coming to my mind, but that doesn't mean to say he didn't. Yeah. because he was a you know he, he understood he and one of his great things was was a, was was to be able to use western concepts to illuminate illuminate yeah. vedic principles and some things like the subjective evolution of consciousness it's such a succinct phrase in english that when he was talking in bengali and he wanted to make that point, he would say it in English. So he'd be talking in Bengali, and then he'd go, da, da, da. 
subjective evolution of consciousness because it's very perfect yeah so um and die to live well, one of Hegel's he right. liked that very like a, a sutra like a small concise to the point because they say all western philosophy came from Plato it's, mm. it's just bookmarks to Plato and so Hegel's ideas were coming from Plato and Plato is called an idealist and Hegel is an idealist right so they're both seeing the mind is primary or is, is that safe to say is that correct that the mind of it, would it be accurate to say the mind of God because uh, I know one, one thing is my, my grandpa, he studied metapsychiatry yeah. under uh, Dr. Thomas Horne. He said that God is infinite mind, that God is... Right. But would, would, is, that, is that congruent with his God ideas? Adokshija. Hmm. You can't even imagine what God is. Yeah. He's beyond your speculation. Yeah. There aren't enough... If you put all the brains and minds in the world together, you know, no amount of finite equals infinite. You can get all the finite you can conceive of. Is it infinite? No, it's just a whole load of finite. Yeah. These these words they're only short words. Achincha, adokshija. Um, but when you unpack them, adokshija, it means unknowable. Mm. Then how do you? And then we're back to that question that someone asked Trila Shudamaj. Well, if it's unknowable, how can you say anything about it? It can't be infinite. How can the finite know something of the infinite? Yeah. If, it, if it knows, it's not infinite. And you said something beautiful about that, but I forget the word that and you And he said, that. if it's not, if the infinite cannot reveal itself to the finite, in other words, it's the getting the visa, it's the passport from that side, yeah. not because of my power. Well, I did all these calculations and I've come to the conclusion. It's like, oh yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay, someone might be going in the right way, but to... It's impossible, but Mara's just saying if it reality is by itself and for itself and can assert itself, it's alive, it can assert itself, and this is divine revelation. That's what that means. It's, it's like not kind a, of paradoxical, but but that's the way it reality yeah. is in a lot of ways. So, so that's how, and the descending process is also referred to. Mm. It's like just by your mental gymnastics. Your study of philosophy in uh, Harvard University for a hundred years. Oh, right. So now you've caught the infinite in your brain and you can tell us what it is. If anything, it might take you further from right, Exactly. Exactly. Because actually for that, for that divine revelation to have somewhere to come requires humility, yeah. tolerance, all the spiritual qualities. And then can happily play there and reveal, can, can come. But if we're so full of our pratishta, it means our name and fame and who we are and puffed up ideas about our capacity, then where is revelation going to come? You're already full of your own shit. Where's that? You know, you already know. I'm thinking, you know, they say that, that Jesus was, he never wrote anything. Maybe, right. Right. and a lot of these, maybe a lot of these gurus or great saints, they weren't really educated. Right, in that's the, also true. But but maybe that's why they could have these yes. profound realizations. Well, it's like Shri Saraswati Thakur, who was Shri Prabhupada and Shri Shudamanj's guru. Yes. Guru Saraswati Thakur, he was a very learned. I mean, he was just like divine personality. Yeah. He knew all the shastra. He could, you know, he could. He was called the Lion Guru because anybody, can, you know, he could just. But his guru. 
Srila Gora Kishore Das Babaji Maharaj mm. was illiterate, functionally mm. illiterate, right? Yeah. But Saraswati Thakur said of him, but all spiritual substance, all divine knowledge is contained in a particle of the dust from his toenails. Yeah. So his guru is illiterate. Saraswati Thakur, great, great scholar. Hmm. So it's not necessarily either of those things because yeah. it's adokshaja achintya inconceivable that's profound how yeah because some people are going to say oh so you have to be illiterate right, and then right, right. Say, oh yeah. wait wait no you have to be yeah, super yeah. educated yeah, right. but right, right. but reality is not going to let you get yeah. trapped in either one of those right exactly yeah. and the gurus are very you know Srila Govindamash comes to mind yeah. of pulling those rugs from under you yeah. oh yeah 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 it's alright so you have to be oh you think got boom rug yeah oh gone oh it wasn't that <laughs> yeah because it's adokshaja achintya and all these things divine ooh la la come see come so so um, you know and the guru partly the teacher is there to stop us going down those roads and yeah. thinking that we found the pattern so now we can we can you know, see, and it's like, oh, and yeah. people say, but then it, it, there's so many, it gets like circles and loops because then people are like, oh, wait, so then there is no pattern, but then there's going to be a pattern that's going to show up just right. to keep to pull that rug in front of you. So that's yeah, right, right, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah, especially when it gets even sweeter. When, when Marge will say that the, the nature of the prime sort, the prime cause, yeah. is mischievous. Mm. and playful yeah that's i like that a lot krishna has his qualities yeah. he's not just a non-thing mm. personality but with no personality oh he's got personality mischievous and playful so can just mess you up just for the fun of it yeah yeah <laughs> but it's it's mis i would say mischievous and playful but then we don't want to look at it as as negative and, and in a, no. a cruel light because no. it's also like so compassionate yes and and loving. Yes. Yeah. Joy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Joy. Yes. Kind of. Yeah. And then when we, and, and what we're learning to do, we're trying to learn to do is to see that. Is to see that even in the apparent uh, adverse circumstances, that, that, that divine and sweet and mischievous and playful and affectionate Lord mm -hmm. is is behind everything and is trying to reel us in through the heart connection of the Vaishnavas and we have to, you just have to be grateful that it, it, it is dynamic like that and that it is allowing you to evolve and grow mm -hmm. yeah because if it was not like that then you're gonna get it's static and that and I, and I saw that Sridhar Maharaj talked a lot about that the difference between the static and the dynamic and Yes. So yeah, thanks so much, Casey Fernando. That was incredible. Oh my pleasure. G. It's always it's always wonderful talking about these things, hearing yeah. about these things. I'm just reminding myself mostly whenever I'm talking, I'm talking to myself. I'm, you know, reminding myself about all these wonderful things and how wonderful it is not to be complacent, not to take things for granted. Yeah. All these things that we tend to do with something so wonderful and of all the noises in this world. That vibration that's coming from that divine quarter through the saints, it's not a very loud one, comparatively in a material sense. 
So if we're fortunate to, we really, we do, we want to tune into it, you know? Do you do a lot of reading? Yeah. Well, not, well, like, not really. I read, I mean, I read in class. Um, I mean, I used to read a lot more books than I do, but now, sorry, I need to stand up. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I do read, but I'm I mean, more you, you kind of have to read in, in I'm this I'm more inclined movie. now to, uh, you know, like I can, I can read a shloka for weeks, yeah. like a verse, and try and remember it, and just think about it, because really it is substance over form, and you can read so many books and just be a quiet, you know, be the, what does Guru Maharaj call it, just be the master of many keys. Oh, yeah. so you want to be the master of many keys. You want to read a million books, so you've got all these things, oh, and then that helps you how. Yeah. That's helping you to die to live how? It could, but not necessarily. It could, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Could. Um, so, and, and, and these were instructions from Gurudev. You know, we read every day, we read in the morning, we read at night, we hear something. And then we have our service to do, and sometimes, and we have so many wonderful books, and they are alive. It's conscious substance, it's not a data transfer. Yeah. Spiritual life is not a data transfer that you just get all this information in your brain and then you've got it. It's something much more wonderful and deep and alive than that. So what, whether that, whether that current is being carried orally or hourly from the lips or whether it's in the pages of a book, it's more than just the, the data on the page. It's something thin diff it's heart substance that's been put in this way which is why you can read a book again and again and again and you know Guru Gurudev would say you know I am 80 years old I have been reading Bhagavad Gita since I was a child and I'm still finding new things in it yeah you know we've been reading the Bhagavad Gita Marie said that last time yeah. round and round and round for 10 years or something uh -huh. you know we read it through on a Wednesday night chapter a week and after 18 weeks finish start again and we've been doing that for years, and it's still we're still churning the ocean of sweetness from the Bhagavad Gita. Uh -huh. um, so, That's why these texts are divine, right? Because they, they they continually are showing you new things and different angles. Right. So, so in that sense, we read. But I mean, I don't, you know, I don't. I wouldn't say that I read a lot of here, there, and everywhere anymore. I'm pretty, pretty. I like to read, I like to hear from Guru Maharaj and Gurudev, best of all. And then I like to hear from Chaitanya Charitamrita in the morning, which is, you know, and these other things, other... Because it's an ocean, it's an ocean of sweetness. Yeah. And I don't want, you know, it's not that I never read anything else, but whatever I read, I'm I want to see it in that light. Yeah. And when you've come across something so profound, then when you read anything that isn't as profound, it's unless you can sort of view it in that way, it just becomes frustrating, really. Yeah. And it is fine, you know. The well, the way I see it is, you know, Krishna is involved with everything. So even the the mundane texts are going to have you're going to have tastes sure. of the infinite, right? And, right. and, and you're going to see the the yes. Bhagavatam in everything in ways right. because it's all connected. Hare Krishna. Okay, Ji. Thank you, Krishna. Thank you so much. Oh, good, good, good.